Heads up! In part two of the Twilight Saga, Sebastian and John howl about Spotify money, vampire breath, and Tom as we wolf out on Here's Why It's Great. Welcome to Here's Why It's Great, the podcast where we take what you hate and tell you why it's great. I'm your host, John Bring. And I'm Sebastian Kadlicic. And you are back, baby, for part two of the Twilight series. We got another one of these things to watch. It's going to be great. We're going to find out why it's great. But before we do, uh, I just want to announce we are officially on Spotify. Yay. Awesome. Yeah. So you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Podbean. You can find us on Overcast, on iTunes. And I'm working to get us on a couple more platforms uh and by i i mean the producers <laughs> are working <laughs> to get us producers are, are hard at work yep and the studio uh, are getting <laughs> working hard at um getting us out there on as many places as we can uh so make sure to like and subscribe to us on spotify or wherever podcasts are found just so you can enjoy the last parts the next three more installments that we have oh, of geez. the twilight series how do you feel now that it's been a few days we've, since we watched the last one? <laughs> now that I've been able to digest it yeah. and, and really look at the layers that are hidden within, mm-hmm. pretty much the same. Yeah. I am hopeful that in this one, actually I'm very hopeful in this next movie, that, so here's some of the things I'm looking for, I guess. Right. I'm looking for less breathing acting. Yes. Um, I'm looking for the same amount of intense stares I don't want that to change even by one stare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to be. We're going to count them. We're going to start doing a drinking game. No, we can't. <laughs> yeah, we'd, we'd be, be dead. dead. <laughs> yeah, we'd just die of alcohol poisoning. Uh, but okay, so you want stairs. The, the stairs. So less breathing, breathing, same amount of stairs, and the wolf, the werewolf. I'm yeah, we're going to get werewolf. some. I don't think it's any surprise to anybody listening to oh, this spoiler. where we get some werewolf action, I think. Yes. Or at least Jacob apparently put on 25 or 26 pounds of muscle. Dang. Just so he could keep playing the part, they almost recast him. Really? Yeah, and the, the world would have been forever different had they recast Taylor Lautner. There's a, so there's a timeline where he got recast. Yeah. And there's just so many sad, sad people that were hoping for him. Well, there's, there's nobody left on the planet. The, <laughs> the apocalypse <laughs> Catastrophic. Hit. Yeah, it was awful. It was bad. I took a peek into that timeline. Uh, I'm a slider. Thanks to the producers. And I don't mean a little tiny burger. I mean the Jerry O'Connell version of Sliders. Uh, and uh, thanks, yeah, our producers got us a, a time machine. And so uh, I went back. Because we got on Spotify. So they're like, we got money to spend. Yeah, baby. Got that time machine money. So I went, saw this alternate timeline, and everything went wrong. Like, literally everything went wrong. Because of that one change. Yes, because Taylor Lautner was not, uh, did not play Jacob Black in Twilight, the Twilight series, yeah. starting with New Moon. But luckily we did. We got Taylor Lautner. We got all the mini movies he's done since then, Thank such God. as The Ridiculous Six. Cool. And he was in that one where he's jumping in a building on the poster. MacGyver. No, that's not it. That's oh, not it. That's no. a that's a white fella oh, right, playing right, right. Mackie G, um, as I call him. Mackie G. Uh, so we got uh, yeah. So we got Taylor Lautner. He is uh, he's definitely in this. This is like his movie. His his coming out moment. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing his 
ripped, shredded by. Oh yeah, you get to, as far as I remember, you get to see a lot of it. Because as I as I mentioned in the last episode, I definitely saw this in the theater. <laughs> Good. So you saw? Did you see IMAX uh, abs? I wish. I wish. No, we just saw it in a regular old screen. Uh, okay. I think it was a I think it was an arc light, uh, an afternoon with me, and I think I may have been the only man in the entire theater. It was not like a packed show. It was the opening weekend, but it was like an early morning because we were doing brunch right afterwards. So it must have been like a 10 a.m. like first thing of the day. So you did a twilight and then brunch. Oh, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And I was the only male definitely in our group, if not, again, the entire theater. So, yeah, it was an interesting day for me. I uh, I actually remember enjoying the movie for what it's worth. Cool. It was uh, it was definitely an improvement from the last movie. Obviously a more competent director. Uh, Chris Weitz is the name of the director. He did, like, The Golden Compass. He, oh, okay. Uh, isn't credited as doing American Pie, but apparently he was, like, a, there was a co-director situation there. Okay. Uh, so I think he was... Uh, I know he's one of the writers, I believe, and uh, credited as a producer, maybe, but anyhow. So he's got sort of the teen genre. He's be got it, it on lock, fantasy man. or comedy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, he also did um, Operation Finale more recently. I haven't actually seen that. The Oscar Isaac... Uh, oh, on Netflix? Actually, no, it came out in theaters. Oh. Uh, it was I'm thinking the Oscar Isaac, like, it was uh, sort of a more dramatic version of The Hateful Eight, where it's uh, Jews hunting down Nazis. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but it looks cool. Sort of sadly came and went in theaters, but it looked cool, and uh, I plan on seeing it at some point soon. Huh. But, uh, so Chris Weitz is a, you know, not a, not a huge, like, A-list director, but I think, from what I remember, had a better time with the material than Catherine Hardwick did. He did an A-list job, sure. With yeah. this material, let's call it. Let's call it that. But yeah, um, I wish we were going to brunch after this. <laughs> but alas, it's uh, about four thirty right now. That we're recording this, and it's a late brunch. Yeah, it's a very late brunch. Otherwise, normally known as dinner. But it was, uh, from what I remember, pretty good. It had some cool, lush locales in it. Good. That's what I loved so much about the last you one. You did. You so. did. Uh, but I'm talking more exotic locales. Oh, is it no yeah, longer in the Pacific Northwest? No, it's not just in Forks. What? Which, by the way, it was pointed out to me between the last episode and this one that we were calling it Fork Washington the entire last episode. It's Forks. I thought it was Fork in the first movie and it's Forks in all subsequent movies. Oh, you know, that would be weird if they like <laughs> renamed the city for no reason just to pluralize it. Yeah. Well, this like, city's <laughs> just grown so much, it can't just be a single fork. It's a whole collection of forks now. It's grown by one whole girl. Um, yeah, so we're dumb, and I feel like we left a lot of things out of the last one, things that we maybe were brought to our attention afterwards, such as the fact that uh, when they were casting Robert Pattinson, apparently there was a huge outcry, which I remembered once. It was Lindsay that told me this. Huh. Apparently, yeah, so everybody was freaking out because they are like, how the hell can Cedric Diggory be Edward Cullen because oh. Cedric Diggory was just squeaky clean and this nice sweet kid Andy's English um, even though Henry Cavill was apparently the top pick of, of Stephanie Meyer herself really to play Edward well he's dashing as well and oh, I, hell yeah. I guess back then he was also quite a bit slimmer yeah this was before he got jacked hadn't bulked up for Superman yet was it as strong an outcry as was heard for casting Tom Cruise in Interview with the Vampire Ooh, I don't know. That I would remember be, that being a thing. Well, I mean, back then the internet didn't exist and YouTube didn't exist for True. all sorts of folk to put up their reaction videos. So I'm going to say the Edward Cullen outcry might have been worse. Louder. Uh, louder. Uh, I think that it may not may not equal the outcry for, say, Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. Ah. Uh. 
which, by the way, The Dark Knight, this movie beat its single-day box office score. Wait, Twilight or New Moon? New Moon did. New Moon did? New, New Moon did. 72 millions in a... <laughs> 72 millions in <laughs> forks. millions in a forks in a days. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so no, no Heath Ledger, because I remember my friend uh, Matt was very disturbed that they would pick somebody like Heath Ledger, mm-hmm. and he was proven wrong. Big time. I think he was a Jack Nicholson purist, Can, though. He but, like, why so serious? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is why we pay you the big bucks. Those <laughs> the Spotify dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why the producers pay you them Spotify. Ching, ching. Uh, so, yeah. So, let's... Um, we got that. And I think that's the only, like, big thing that we were we kind of left out of the last episode was just talking about the casting process of Edward. I guess Kristen Stewart was cast first, and then uh, they had to search far and wide for a lot of... There were, like, half of the trivia on the IMDb for Twilight is just different actors that might have been Edward. Nobody really of note. That, Interesting. I mean, everybody's done stuff, but nobody, like, oh, my God, they wanted Tom Cruise as Edward at one point. Right. That would have been interesting. <laughs> that would've, yeah, that would have been a very, <laughs> very different movie. Still it's in like, high school. Tom Cruise, I bet, would try to play a 17-year-old. <laughs> I guarantee you he'd be like, yeah, I can play a 17-year-old, whatever. He's running faster than I could at 17. Yeah, they wouldn't have needed those special effects. They wouldn't yeah. have needed, needed to just, do the wire. She'd hop on, and then Tom would just, you wind him up, and he goes. Tom's just like, I got this. Yep, I'll take her right up that mountain. Was there anything else? I feel like we... we thought about stuff after we recorded it we were like oh we didn't bring this up or whatever but it hasn't stuck with me so I guess it wasn't worth bringing yeah, up yeah I guess not I, like I said I think the Robert Pattinson outcry was probably the biggest thing also oh, oh, oh I, yeah, I thought yeah, of one thing the the running reminded me of it the, oh right the when he's running it reminded us so much of the original Superman where he's running alongside the locomotive because they did the same sort of special effect where he's just sort of I guess hovering above ground and moving his legs right almost like a cartoon quickly. like Barney Rubble yes. or somebody yeah it's like a Flintstones episode of and then yeah. and Edward Cullen takes off <laughs> right which um, you know was a fine effect hey, I think it's practical effects man We're I think all about practical I, th- I think they got a lot more money moving forward for these because I, I think I said it before in the last episode I don't think they knew what they were sitting on here I didn't yeah. think they were they knew that it was going to be a phenomenon I think they were expecting it to maybe do modestly well they had uh, Melissa Rosenberg who was the writer of the first movie apparently she was contracted to do all of the movies to basically develop all of the books okay. upon this first one so obviously they had some sight to the to the moving forward sure. Melissa Rosenberg uh, creator of Jessica Jones the TV oh, show okay. yeah. um, she's done other things as well she's a, pro- a prolific TV writer and uh, yeah she ended up doing all five of these movies so wow. good for her she's she's making more than just Spotify dollars let me tell you that much so I think that uh, basically they greenlit this movie the day after the first one came out they're like wow they're like we gotta get that here's why it's great money uh, <laughs> after and, those 72 millions yeah but it and get some... Oh, I'm talking about the, the first movie. I actually don't know what the first day grosses oh. of Twilight were, but they were high. I mean, I think that first weekend was like 50-something million, uh, which is crazy for what it was. And uh, before, it was the phenomenon that we know now. But then the phenomenon continued with New Moon. So shall we watch it? Let's. All right, we're going to watch it, and then we're going to tell you why it's great right after this. And we are back, having watched New Moon. Oh, sorry, sorry. The Twilight Saga, colon, New Moon. Yeah, yeah, don't forget that colon. I cannot forget that colon. Uh, That was a much more enjoyable experience than the first movie. Uh, Yes, definitely, 100%. I am in agreement. The production value was so much higher. There was a narrative thrust and flow to the movie. Yeah, it was like, it was a real movie. 
uh, yeah, that was that was actually made sense to me as being a movie that people saw and enjoyed. Whether or not we enjoyed it, it at least made sense to me that that was a movie that was made. Right. I think it was a little overstuffed. I think that it probably could have lost about 30 minutes or so. It, it's Especially towards the end, felt like it was dragging. Yeah, for sure. And I started to sort of space out a little bit towards the end. Same, um, same. Just like, wait, where? when is this movie over? And then it ends, and I was like, oh, that was the ending? Oh, By the okay. time they get back from Italy, yeah. uh, I'm, I was like, why are we still standing in the woods talking? Yeah. Just uh, end too. it already. Uh, but we're getting ahead of ourselves, and we're being negative. This is called Here's Why It's Great, <laughs> not Here Are the Problems We Have. Right. right. So I think... To start off on yes. why this is great, I think uh, as you mentioned, like the production value and the directing is really good. Definitely. I think it was a tighter script for what it's worth. I think there are some a couple of wonky moments, but again, Melissa Rosenberg, good writer, she gave us step up, which means she gave us in a way Channing Tatum. You I know, can't go think wrong. about that. I mean, like That's her legacy right there. And if that, without that, without Channing Tatum, we would have never gotten Magic Mike. And we want to talk about the the darkest timeline. <laughs> You think the timeline where Taylor Lautner got replaced in the Twilight Saga was bad? Just go look at the one without Magic Mike. I, I can't even imagine. somehow it. even worse. I, I feel like if I tried to peek into that timeline, it would just be nothing. It, it would just it be despair. Nearly and... drove me to madness <laughs> how depressing and sad it was. So, yeah, this is uh, just a definitely a, just a tighter movie in general. Absolutely. I think it, it's, it's funny because obviously the crux of this entire series is the uh, is the triangle between Edward and Jacob uh-huh. and we have such a strong triangle love triangle element in this movie Edward is barely in this movie yeah he's hardly in it I mean there's that's the main triangle but he's in this movie so little there's actually a very quick like other triangle that happens with her uh, Jacob and then that Guy who has been interested in her since last movie. Oh, I think it's, I think the character's name is Michael or Mike or something like that. The the blonde kid who's yeah. part of her friend group. Yeah. Who, by the way, is still pining after her, still asking her out to go to the movies and stuff. Anna Kendrick, who he went to the prom She's with, right next to she him. is right there in the cafeteria. She's got to be hurt. Her was, feelings have to be hurt. I right? was uncomfortable for that whole uh, lunchroom scene because in the last movie, she was so happy and so excited that he asked her out and that they were going to the dance together. It was like the best thing that ever happened to her. And then in this movie, as soon as he's gone and um, what's her name? Kristen Stewart might be available. The guy's like, all right, never mind with that girl. Yeah. I'm back. I got my eyes set on you again. Hey, you want to go to a movie? Yeah, and I still, I mean... I still don't get why Bella so much. I mean, she's the star of the movie, so obviously everyone's going to pine after her. Uh-huh. But she's got three, four. Sometimes I thought uh, Daddy Cullen, uh, Carlisle, was kind of into her, too. That scene where he's, like, fixing her up? Yeah, there's a scene where she gets, uh, almost said damaged, where she gets hurt she's at... She's damaged the whole time. Uh, the, the, she says so. She says, I'm broken. I'm a car that can't be fixed. Yeah. Uh, but there's a point in the movie, early in the movie, where the Cullens throw her a birthday party, an 18th birthday party, uh, where she cuts her finger trying to open a gift, and uh, the little Weasley <laughs> Cullen, whose name I can't remember, goes after her and tries to eat her blood. Tom and, or something? <laughs> I don't think I'm it's call Tom. Him Tom. I don't think any of the Cullens have a name such as Tom. It's Tommy. It's like Emmett and Edward and Carlisle and Tom. <laughs> Um, but Tom goes after her, and Edward has to toss her aside to protect her. But by doing so, he 
flings, flings her, her across the room. Uh, she gets a pretty a couple of bad cuts on her arm, so she's bleeding hardcore, and the rest of the Cullen family has to leave. Carlisle, the patriarch, is the only one who can actually handle his bloodlust, so he has to take care of her. Plus, he is a doctor, so he stitches her up. And I was feeling some steam going on in that yeah, scene, They too. had more chemistry than she did with anybody else in the movie. I, you know, the chemistry thing is weird because I know at this point in time, Kristen Stewart and, uh, what's his name, Robert Pattinson were starting to become interested in each other yeah. romantically. Well, he was barely in this movie, so it's, we can't really talk too much about their chemistry. They barely are together. This is true. This is true. But uh, yeah, with the dad, with Carlisle, that, I was like, where is this scene going? It was getting yeah. pretty pretty. Steamy and Carlisle, they did not do like the super heavy makeup on him this time, the like pale makeup because I, I don't know. I, I always thought he looked the weirdest out of all the Cullens. I think that they sort of toned the the pale makeup down on everybody, uh, with the exception of his wife Renee or Esme or which whichever one she is. Uh-huh. I think Esme is maybe her name, uh, but I think it's Tom. Oh yeah, her name is also Tom. That's right. Uh, so short for Tamina. Yes. Uh, Tamina. That's a name. Well, but that's speaking, besides the point. Anyway, speaking I'm, of pale, um, I, I did notice that Christian Stewart was way less pale than she was in the first movie. Yes. In the first movie, they make such a big deal. She's from Arizona, blah, blah, blah. And she is as white as snow, just like the vampires yes. are. And in this movie, I don't know what happened. They also, I know you mentioned there was like, the they didn't have that sort of filter that they had before where everything was blue and et cetera. But she looked several shades darker than the vampires, which I think does set them apart a little bit. It was a yes. little, little odd that she was the same hue as uh, the Which was funny, though, during the birthday party scene, somebody actually mentions that she's looking pale. Yeah. Uh, I believe Esme slash Tamina yeah. uh, says she's looking pale, and I... And I said, oh, hell no, she's not looking pale. She's looking healthier than ever. Yeah. Uh, also, between the first movie and this one, I know it was only like a year went by from movie to movie, but Kristen Stewart went from looking like a little girl to looking like more or less the woman that she looks like now. It's a huge difference in the way she looks. Absolutely. I was going to ask how long went by between movies because she looked so different. She looked way older. Uh, yeah, in terms of like shooting, it may have only been like a year between the two. Um, she looked more Hollywood in this one, too. I mean, the whole, definitely. The the whole, whole thing has just a more gl- yeah, gloss to it that the first one definitely did not have. Yeah. Just a, a, a more of a sure hand in the way the shots play out. Uh, we do get a couple of those weird, like, Dutch angle sort of floating shots right at the beginning. Uh, I didn't because the movie begins with Bella having this nightmare about oh. being in Italy and a bunch of people in red robes. And it sort of goes from a, uh, a, a giant moon... With yeah. the title New Moon, which even even just the display of the title, at, which is the first thing you see in the movie, yeah. was so much better than anything in the first movie. It looked way more professional. Uh, but then we start out in Italy, which is kind of neat because it's so different from everything we've experienced in these movies. They're not in the woods. They're not on a on a cold beach. It's just like it's dry. It's uh, it does. It's got that red feel to it, like that warm feel, the way that Phoenix did not feel in the first movie. Yeah. Uh, this one, uh, we finally get that warm feeling and Bella's running towards something we don't know what she looks very distressed and uh, we will find out obviously over the course of the movie but that's the only time where we kind of had that like floating Dutch angle shot but it makes sense in a dream sequence oh of course yeah. of course the, and in it, the first movie they just used it, it all the time yeah it's supposed to be disorienting in this speaking of the dream I uh, Edward shows up and I think his sparkle looks way better in this one than it did in the previous film I actually was like oh I think I 
get what they're going for. He is actually sparkly, and I, I still don't know if I would compare it to diamonds, but it made a lot more sense to me. And I think you pointed out last time that the sun effect that they did on him was also kind of adding to why it looked wonky. Yeah. And in this one, that wasn't the case. He just walks out into a sort of open field or whatever and, yeah. and starts sparkling. But I, I definitely thought that looked better. And I think that dream sequence, I legitimately liked. I liked when she walked up and she thought it was her grandma that was out there. Oh, yes, and yes. She we, walked- we started a dream sequence coming from the, the shot in Italy yeah. where we get some more heavy-handed voiceover from Bella. We go to another dream sequence. She's, she's plagued with nightmares the entire movie. And, and this screaming, screaming horrifying nightmares. But this, this dream, which was actually fairly subtle and a good way to set up what a lot of what Bella's going through is she goes out into a field of flowers and she sees Edward and she also across the field sees who she thinks is her grandmother but once they meet up with the grandmother and Bella tries to introduce Edward to her she realizes that's not her grandmother that's her. Yeah. And that he's going to stay the same age no matter how old she gets. Yeah, I thought that was really effective and I thought that the way they did it uh, it got me. I, I was like, oh, what are, they, what are they doing with this? And then when she goes to introduce him, the grandmother figure, the older version of herself, mouths the words. So they're saying the words at the same time, and then they do that sort of mirror thing where Bella puts her hand out and the old woman puts her hand out and they meet. And it, to me, was very, very effective at getting, just as an effect, I thought it was really cool, but also in putting forth, forth the the themes or of her fear, her greatest fear of growing old when he stays the same. I thought that was all just very effective. Yeah, and it was definitely coming off of Twilight, which had no subtlety whatsoever, mm-hmm. was a nice, subtle moment to start the movie off to kick off this conflict because everything else has been so heavy-handed that it was nice to to kind of get something that felt like some real thought went into it. Yeah. Uh, a even piece the, of this movie. Even when she wakes up and there's the <laughs> Romeo and Juliet book right next to her. Right, right, right. A lot of that stuff wasn't subtle necessarily, but it, it, I at least appreciated that they put thought into it. Yes. And that they were trying to get different themes woven throughout the movie that do recur, uh, sometimes heavy-handedly, but that you know, they put in that thought and that effort of more than just in the first film where it was just this guy and this girl like each other and we kind of just stay with them forever through their tumultuous relationship of I want you but I can't have you and mm-hmm. etc. In this one, and this goes with what we just said a minute ago about the narrative thrust of the movie, there is an actual narrative. Yeah. Things happen. Things One thing leads to another thing and that's why you need to do the next thing. So I thought all that was huge improvement over the first movie. Yeah, and it's ironic because uh, obviously I've ragged on Catherine Hardwick uh, quite a bit in these last two podcasts but I guess according to the story, she was offered the second movie and decided against it because she didn't feel like she had enough time to get the script in shape. Oh, interesting. Uh, to which I say, uh, if that's the case, then did you not, why didn't you take some extra time on that first one? Cause you had all the time in the world with that first one. Uh, but it's funny to me that the, the, her stated reason for not coming back is not having the time. And then by the time it was over, she was busy, even though she didn't come out with another movie for three years or something like that, oh. two or three years, which is that red riding hood movie with, uh, Amanda oh, Seyfried. Yeah, yeah. 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 But this, I felt like the script on this was a hundred times better. Had some good moments. There was uh, some good visual flourishes. Uh, the director was, uh, again, a much more sure hand. And uh, I felt like 
Bella became a character. Everybody, with the exception of Edward, who disappears for 90% of the movie, actually felt like fleshed out human beings in this. Yeah, totally. Uh, Jacob, Bella's, for sure. Oh, yeah, Jacob. We'll, we'll definitely have quite a section on this podcast about <laughs> Jacob, but uh, Bella in this, uh, she after what happens at the party, uh, Edward realizes the danger that Bella is constantly in around the Cullens. She's, you know, at every at any moment, one of something could happen like that. One of the Cullens won't be able to control themselves, and and Bella will end up being hurt or end up dead. She already ended up hurt, yeah. and Edward himself is the one who did it like a dummy. Uh, <laughs> so Edward basically convinces her that he has to leave, and not only does he have to leave, all of the Cullens have to leave. So they all ditch town. Yeah, they were just on board, I guess. Leaving yeah. Bella alone for much of the movie, she goes into a depressive state. Uh, as uh, as mentioned before, she has really horrific nightmares that we never actually get to see what the nightmares are, by the way. Maybe that'll come up in another movie. Oh, p- perhaps, because I have a lot of lingering questions about our friend Bella. But uh, and She's definitely, to your point, she's definitely more fleshed out. She's She's got more dimension in this movie. The... Depression stuff was interesting. I tried to take a step back because there's a lot of stuff in the first movie and in this movie where she's just super dependent on Edward. It's a, all of it seems very, very unhealthy. But I tried yes. to take a step back and remember being in high school or being you know a teenager and that first love that just when it's over devastates you and being so in love or feeling like you're so in love that that's pretty much the only thing that matters to you at that time. And when that's over being a complete wreck, which I can relate to and understand, she takes it farther and keeps putting herself in danger so that he'll notice her and that he'll come back. And all that stuff is very (laughs) uh, unhealthy, but she's processing, I guess, but it was, it's interesting that they did go into this, sort of depression and that some of the characters pointed out. I mean, Anna Kendrick points it out in a very hilarious scene, a little monologue that she does, which I loved her. And I thought that that was fun. Like, oh, good, they pointed it out. It also, though, stands in stark contrast to everybody at school basically just letting her go sit off by herself and they're laughing and having a good time. And she's at a different table, just sulking and sad. And She's at the Cullen's old table. Yeah, the Cullen's old table. And then there's all these shots of her just sitting in front of her window for months. The, just we have the, uh, the the famous shot of uh, her sitting completely still and the camera floating around her. As I the st- seasons change. As the seasons change, as the months go by. And if I'm not mistaken, at this point in the book, there's just like 30 blank pages. Oh, really? Which is interesting. I feel like, I think I kind of giggled at that shot the first time I saw it, the, the floating around her shot and the uh-huh. outside, everything's changing, but she's not. Uh, but for whatever reason, I appreciated it this time. Is the In the book, is she actually, because I know there's so much voiceover, right? So like in every movie, there's been this voiceover. In the book, is it all from her voice from her point of view and if so is she writing in a journal and that's why the pages are blank i don't understand you know what i don't know okay I'll and who has the time to read these <laughs> days you know we've got podcasts to listen to and and to make and five yeah, and to make and we've got five twilight films to watch who has the time to pull out and read a book <laughs> Uh, not I said the cat. I don't know uh, actually how it is, but f- I thought it was kind of fun the idea of putting those blank pages yeah, in to represent yeah. her depression and the and the lost time, you know, because yeah. as a result of that 
that depression. But but you're totally right. What's interesting about the friends is uh, yeah, during this whole multi month long period of her being in just this dark corner of her own mind. I mean, we see her dad trying to help, but yeah, her friends apparently. Finally, finally. I, I was I was happy when the dad finally helped. I mean, she's screaming every night, yeah. having these nightmares, and I was, and the dad's like on the couch downstairs, and I was like, "Is it too loud for this? The screaming's too loud upstairs. He's got to <laughs> stay downstairs." But I was like, "What? What is going on? Clearly, she's she needs to talk to somebody. Like, she yeah. needs some sort of therapy." But, yeah, and but her the, friends are nobody does anything. Yeah, her friends are just hanging out and just being. You know what? We'll let her take care of it on her own. But I was happy to see that the dad finally was like. Bella, this is not normal. This, you're not okay. Yeah, we need to. Maybe you need to go back and live with your mom. Like you need to get out of here. You need to change the scenery. He he flips pretty quickly when she's like, "No, I'm going shopping later." He's, "Oh, okay, go shopping." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you want to buy a top? Okay, then everything's obviously fine. Yeah, she, uh, he. But it is. It is. He was willing to sacrifice something. You know. Yeah. Uh, sacrifice seems to be a big theme in this whole series, but certainly in this particular. Uh, episode of the series, but yeah, he wanted to sacrifice, you know, his nice time with his daughter to, for her to kind of get over this funk, and uh, yeah, but a, a nice little shopping trip with Stephanie? I think her name is Tom. Oh, yeah, yeah, with Tom is gonna help, uh, so she goes out to the movies with Anna Kendrick, Yeah, and Anna okay, Kendrick, okay, okay, Tom. The, the, with Tom, with the, uh, the aforementioned funny scene where she comes out, and I'm pretty sure that she improvised all of that. There's other stuff that's improvised <laughs> in this movie we'll get to. That is not good. <laughs> but she, uh, I think she did improvise the whole thing. She's talking about uh, her, basically her thoughts on zombies, and are they, you know, a commentary on leprosy, and she has a cousin who had leprosy, and it's not funny, or is it, you know, uh, something on commercialism, oh, yeah. a comment on commercialism, get your head out of your own ass. So that was very funny. She's, uh, she's a delight. Yeah, she was, I, I generally she was do like Anna Kendrick. I really liked A Simple Favor. Did you see that movie earlier this year? Or, no, well, sorry, last year? Uh, no, I did not. Uh, really fun movie. Uh, it was Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively looking amazing. Like, I don't know how her costume designer did not get nominated for an Oscar this year. Really? Like, every stitch of clothing Blake Lively wore in that movie was a masterwork. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, uh, so Anna Kendrick's really fun. They're walking out of the movies, and all of a sudden... They walk by some some rough and tumble dudes on the side of the street. They're sitting on their bikes. They're catcalling. They see a couple of jailbait girls walking by. Well, technically, Bella's 18 now, so she's not technically jailbait. But we'll say jailbait girls walking by. And Bella's got herself an idea. She's going to go for it. Yeah, she Rock, remembers. Rocky Five style. Go for it. She remembers last movie. She remembers the previous movie she was in where... She was surrounded by these sort of thug types, these ruffians, Mm -hmm. and Edward showed up and saved her. So she's hoping that he'll show back up if she puts herself in another dangerous situation. This is, I guess, really where that all starts. Right. And sure enough, a vision of Edward comes up and says, turn around. Yeah. He can't be bothered to actually be there, but he's like, hey, hey, girl, turn around. Hey, girl. You don't or it's do all in her head. Who knows? I, that's the thing is I don't know. Yeah. I actually don't know if he is using some sort of telepathic uh, suggestion to her yeah. or if it really just is her imagination you know, telling her to not to not go. Yeah, it, it's interesting because... Because it recurs throughout the movie. It totally recurs until the time that she... We're jumping a little bit ahead, but she jumps off of a cliff and hopes that this will be the thing that brings him back. And while she's underwater, he disappears underwater. Like, they're together for a minute... Jacob, uh, yeah, Jacob saves her, and that vision sort of just dissipates in the water. Maybe she's finally over that whole thing, but 
earlier in the movie, I th- it might even be when she's in her depression, there's a Hamlet um, calendar or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Shakespeare there's, nods. There's a lot of Shakespeare nods. It's very heavy-handed. But you may remember in Hamlet, he sees the ghost of his father. Right. And it, does he really see the ghost of his father, or is that all in his head and he's crazy? Hmm. That's does the, she see that's the question. Edward Cullen, or is she crazy? That is that is the question. Or distraught, maybe not crazy. Distraught. Right, right, right. Uh, so, she, but whatever the case, she gets on that bike with that dude with a very unattractive man, yeah. with <laughs> a very older, unattractive fellow. Yeah, sorry, pal. I apologize. You did great, his name was Tom, I believe. His name was Tom. Uh, the actor who played him also named Tom. Yeah. Uh, Tom, he's not the. He's like the most clear, like Canadian extra, like featured extra you've ever seen in your life. He's like, get on the back, eh? Yeah, yeah, and she does, and he uh, drives his motorcycle for maybe like I don't know, ten seconds, and she gets such a rush from that, yeah, that she sees Edward again. Edward comes back and says, "You better stop, girl," <laughs> and so she makes the guy stop and turn around. Anna Kendrick waited this whole time for, yeah. for who knows how long. If I were Anna Kendrick, I would have ditched her. Yeah, I would have left because you know, she left on a motorcycle. Yeah. She might not ever be back. Yeah, I would have gotten, gotten a lift and gotten the hell out of there. But she stuck around and now Bella's got this like vision. She knows like if I screw around and if I put myself in danger, then I will see Edward, even if I'm just a nut. If I do something reckless. Yes. And so then she sets out to do the most reckless thing, which is more motorcycle stuff. <laughs> She's but, hooked on motorcycles. But in doing so, she goes to a sweet friend. Oh, yeah. Out on the reservation. Our delightful. One Jacob Tom Black. <laughs> uh, Tom is nowhere in his name. Jacob, who between movies got hella hot. He got as I jacked. As I mentioned in the last one, that was one of the things I was looking forward to. Uh, and we all know shirtless Jacob is one of the selling points of this entire series. But I loved in this movie how they really just waited for the perfect moment to show him buff and shirtless. Yeah. It was well done. It was very well done. It it was, uh, I think it's so interesting too, that they pointed out, they kept pointing out how much he had filled out. Yeah. They didn't just, yeah, even Jacob himself was like, oh, I'm, I filled out over the summer. I was like, oh, you sure did, bud. But in the previous movie, he was in it. He was in, like, he was never shirtless. So they didn't have to point it out, but they definitely made a point of saying like, this dude is bigger than he was. And besides his neck, though, like what he wore in the last movie was mostly like flannels and shirts that sort of yes. would have obscured his figure. Yeah. Uh, and this, I mean, he's wearing like tight shirts and stuff. But from the outset, I mean, I guess he does look a little bit more buff and filled out. But I don't know if I would have immediately jumped to that. I mean, I guess yeah. his neck is pretty. His traps yeah, were his pretty, traps were pretty gorgeous. Popping. But yeah, that moment when uh, so she gets on the motorcycle, she tries to put herself in danger. Edward's popping up, you know, either through tele- telepathy or through her own sort of whatever her psychosis. Yeah, and which seems to also be distracting her while she's on the bike and she's flailing, and then she crashes. Jacob. Oh well, we haven't even mentioned that. She brings bikes for Jacob to fix. Oh yeah, mechanic. That's right. You're jumping ahead, man. Sorry, I know you're excited sorry. to get to the shirt, the shirt thing. You're really excited to get to the shirtless scene. Trust me. You brought it up. So am I. I'm excited to get there too. But this is kind of the point of the movie where I think definitely my favorite part of the movie was this sequence of Jacob and Bella. He thinks she's crazy for wanting to fix up these bikes. They're pieces of junk. But he brings them in because he likes her. 
Yeah. Not only, not just as a friend either, folks. He brings these <laughs> he bikes in. They're, they're, they have them all taken apart. It's a, you know, a sequence of scenes taking place over. I don't know. I guess a few weeks, but where Edward or sorry, Jacob and Bella just start really bonding, and yeah. it's sweet and it's nice. And actually, I felt like more chemistry between the two of them in those set of scenes than I ever did an entire movie of Bella and Edward. I also felt like there was a lot more scene work that was done on those yeah. scenes. Like, I felt like they were actually acting together. Yeah. Um, not that I could feel the acting, but that they actually put the work in, and I did feel the chemistry between them. I really appreciated having Jacob there, because while... And this is nothing against Robert Pattinson, but just the character of Edward is so sort of withdrawn and stoic and and just dull, just dull. That yeah. Jacob was actually like alive and smiling and happy and plays with his friends that come over and like there's just so much more dynamic to him for sure. She mentions in the first movie, Edward feels like ice to the touch. She mentions several times in this movie, Jacob is all warmth. And that's them and their personalities, too. I mean, yeah. it's a song of ice and fire, after all. Uh, a song yeah. of Tom and Tom. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. And just those scenes are so much more than anything we get from yeah. Edward and Bella. They were enjoyable. They are the best part of the movie. You forget at this point that there are even vampires and werewolves and shit in this movie just because you're sitting back and watching two kids kind of fall for each other. Yeah. And that was a delight. And it isn't until we finally do get her, the bikes are fixed. We, we Honestly, I sort of forgot that the whole point of fixing up the bikes is to provoke a vision of Edward. Yeah. Uh, oh, and and I believe while they're fixing the bikes, everything is is helping Bella come out of back out of her shell. Like she comes out of her shell to uh, to go out with Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick is kind of a little bit mean to her because she's like, "You haven't talked to any of us in months. Like I can't believe you're coming. Uh, you know, you're coming out of nowhere with this." But then finally, as Jacob is helping her come back out of her shell and come back to life, she walks over to the table and the scene we mentioned before that was not such good improv, <laughs> where Mike, Michael, Tom, uh, asks her out right in front of Anna Kendrick. And she said, you know, he says, let's go to romantic comedy. Love spelled backwards is love. It's a dumb title. And and Bella says, no way, sir. No romance. Let's go to face punch, which to me, I had to rewind it. I said, did she did she just say face punch? Did somebody no offense to Melissa Rosenberg, but did you actually type that into your computer and say, yep, that's good. That's that's what we should go with. Or did you let Kristen Stewart make that up on the spot and you guys just had to run with that shit because she couldn't remember the actual title of the movie that was in the script? And because everybody else starts riffing on Face Punch and her uh, other friend, whose name I don't remember, I think it's Tom. Tom. Yeah, it's Tom. Uh, Tom starts saying, oh, yeah, Face Punch. Remember the trailer? It's like, punch your face. And he just makes some exploding sounds. And it's clear that nothing was written for that part of the scene. They're like, oh, that kid's funny. He can do it. And he, like they did they should have gotten movies. They should have gotten a couple more takes of that. Both movies, they had these little sort of, between the friends, these little sort of what appear to be improvisations. And I say they appear to be because they appear to be not great they're, improvisations. They're a little stilted. But I think they just were like, oh, let's let the kid go. And he's like, all right, I got this. And then, you know, he did the scene. He's like, yeah, can I do one more? And they're like, no, we got to move on, bro. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I guess we're taking that one. 
<laughs> I can't believe I did the face punch punch thing. Yeah, so face they go to face punch, uh-huh. and one of the best parts of this entire movie is you hear a Wilhelm scream. <laughs> yeah. The famous Wilhelm scream right in the middle. Uh-huh. That part was great. Definitely enjoyed we, that. You know we love our Wilhelm screams. We do. And uh, there's a moment in the theater that I thought was pretty excellent where with Jacob and Tom <laughs> slash Michael yeah. have their hands on the armrest. They're, they're, they're flanking Bella. Oh, by the way, Mike asked him, or sorry, Tom asked her to go to the movie. They show up to the movie and Jacob's also there. So she's clearly not interested in this well, guy. He <laughs> asked her out. He thinks that they're going on a date. Yeah. Not so much, bud. Well, you're getting chaperoned asks, by a 16-year-old. Even no, but even when he asks her out on the date, she invites all of the friends in front of him at the table. She's like, "Oh yeah, everybody should come." And you actually, I kind of like you see the disappointment on that guy's face. Yeah. But then everybody else bails the day of the date, right? And only Jacob and this guy show up. So they're sitting in the movie together. The guy's a little squeamish. So he's having a hard time with the movie. He really hates face punching. Yeah, he really hates face punching. Apparently the gore in it is awful. But they both have their hands on the armrests. Uh, they're flanking Bella. She's in the middle of them. They both have their hands on their armrests with their hands like up and in the holding position. Like They just really want her to go for it. Uh-huh. And uh, she doesn't. She unfortunately <laughs> does not. And Tom slash Mike has to leave and uh, we get a really what I thought was a good scene between Jacob and Bella. The first scene where he lets his intentions known that he is basically fallen in love with her. He holds her hand. He holds her hand. He goes for it, Rocky style, and she rebuffs him. Yeah, I mean Apollo. It's style. hard to it's hard to rebuff him because he is so buff. But <laughs> she rebuffs him, and this is when he gets pretty aggro with Tom. And yeah, uh, this the, is when, like, I think his transformation was forthcoming because he says later in the movie when a vampire comes into town, if you've got the gene to activate... If you've got this, the touch. Yeah. you got the power. Yeah. So he's, like, running hot. Yeah. He's, like, getting aggro with the guy because Mike also tries to hit on Bella, I guess. It's also... <laughs> the line where so Mike Tom comes out and he's clearly he's just thrown up in there he looks horrible yeah and he he looks like 50 he's a, clearly a narc but yeah he comes out he's a jump street <laughs> undercover street, agent and he comes out he's clearly just puked his guts out and he's trying to be like what I, I was sick before the movie because Jacob's kind of looking at him like he's a you know a dork whatever and his, Jacob's line is oh you're feeling sick Maybe you need to go to the hospital. Maybe I need to put you in the hospital or something like that. No, nope, that was the exact line. <laughs> that was that was it verbatim. Uh, it stuck with me. Yeah, not a great moment in, in terms of Jacob, and also it becomes a little. Uh, he becomes a little possessive of Bella, which is my biggest hit on Jacob as a yeah. character. Is it, when once he gets really possessive of her, it's a little bit much. Yeah. Um, Edward has the same problem, so it's not. It's like Bella just can't escape these possessive men. They're both super possessive, and they're both very. They they put out that they're both extremely dangerous to be around. I mean. Edward, clearly, he has to leave because he's yeah. afraid that he or somebody he or around one him of his family is will, gonna will murder her. Yeah. And with Jacob, we see a little bit later in the movie that there is a woman who's is around the wolf pack, the werewolf pack, who has these scars on her face that her fiance, who was a werewolf, uh, got angry at one point and slashed her, and he can't take that back. So they're setting up that, hey, at any point, Jacob could get angry. He even says, what if I get mad at you? And they're, so they're setting up, like, 
if this dude loses his temper for a second, he's gonna hurt Bella too. They're all they're both these very like I might not be able to control myself. I might hurt you. So it, you know, like Tom might be a wimp, but he may throw up during an action movie. But go with him. Like, he's not gonna. He just likes you. Assault you. He may you know be forty five, but yeah, he's not gonna. He's, he's not, probably got you know a house. He's got a four hundred one k. Yeah, he's not. But he's not gonna murder you or maul you. But before we get into this point, we do need to discuss what really the the point of the series where it became truly great. And that is the scene where they, they finally fix the bikes. And she goes for it. She, she revs that baby up. And I got to say, the first time I ever, I've never done like dirt bikes, but I did a motorcycle one time. Uh-huh. I had a girlfriend during college who had a motorcycle. And she, because she, because of course, and the time I rode that, it took me so long to even figure out how to not have the engine die because of the clutch and everything. Uh-huh. And I had driven a stick shift before, so it's not as if I wasn't accustomed to that. Yeah. But she be she was a natural on that bike. Because after one sort of false start... Oh, Bella, you mean? Bella was. After one false start on that bike, she got, she took off no problem. And in another great pratfall, you know, she's speeding up, she's <laughs> speeding up. Edward comes and says, you got to slow down, baby. Uh, she doesn't slow down because she wants to see more of that Ed. And she hits a rock. She falls over, flips over her bike, hits a rock. Another great pratfall moment. Good job. From uh, one Ms. Stewart, Kristen Stewart. Kristen Tom Stewart. But anyhow, Jacob, of course, runs over immediately. And this is before the the whole scene where he gets hot and, and runs away uh, at the movie theater. He, he noticed, oh, she's bleeding. And this is a big moment for her because she's bleeding and he doesn't want to kill her yeah, instantly. And she says, I'm sorry. She's bleeding and she apologizes for bleeding. And he's like, why are you apologizing? Why would you possibly apologize? Here, let me help you. Uh, and he doesn't just take his shirt off. He, like he stands up. He stands up. Full height. Full presentation. Pulls that shirt off. Doesn't pull off. He peels that shirt off of that rockin' kickin' bod. And man, oh man, hearts are set aflame. That boy <laughs> looks good. No, it's all jokes aside, I, I mean, it's amazing. It's a great shot because it's kind of reminiscent to me. Obviously, this came before it, but in that shot in Captain America and the very first one uh-huh. where he comes out of the tube and we've seen Steve be so skinny. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's jacked Chris Evans yeah. and looks just amazing. It's sort of that similar thing or even in uh, Captain America Civil War. Apparently, I have a thing for Captain America. Captain America Civil War where he's holding onto the helicopter on one hand and the building on the other and it's just like a close-up of his biceps looking so ripped. It's like that. Like one of those weirdly iconic male moments where it's just like, look at this guy. Look at the work he's done. Yeah. Give him a pat on the very chiseled back. I'm glad they celebrated that moment. I mean, his beefcakiness. Like, dude worked hard. He did. He looked amazing. I was, I knew that he was going to be jacked. Like you had told me like, Oh yeah, he gets super jacked in the next movie. I'm sure I've seen him, you know, shirtless before. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But for whatever reason, I did not realize that he was like that shredded. He looked awesome. He well, looked I had to tell you cause you were typing it down a note on your laptop at the time. I said, you're going to want to see this. <laughs> and so you looked up and <laughs> Lindsay, my wife watched it with us and she was like, Oh wow. You really remember this movie. Well, <laughs> I just remember that one part because also in the movie theater, when he took his shirt off for the first time, like I feel like at least six or seven women got spontaneously pregnant the air went out of the room because every woman just gasped and clutched their pearls because it was just a, an iconic moment 
And, you know, yeah. it's like the Maryland skirt getting blown up, that sort of thing. It's it's a similar thing. And I feel like people will remember that shot forever of Taylor Lautner. And, and I mean, I think everyone thinks of him shirtless when they think of him. Well, and he takes the shirt off for a reason, and the reason is to help Bella. Like, he's, st- he's a gentleman yeah. in that he... Um, you know, it's not like he's just like, "Hey, check me out." Like he, the only thing he has nearby is the shirt on his back. Right. And so he takes the shirt off of his back to, to dab, to the, dab blood. the blood, which is a little unsanitary and a little gross. And I've always thought that. Like, I know it's probably like chilly, but like you're lifting bikes and stuff. It's you're probably a little sweaty. Sure. There's like motor oil on you and stuff, <laughs> like fluids from the bike. That's not a sanitary uh, cloth to yeah to to use. So. Think twice about that again, (laughs) Jacob. Anybody, if you're in this position. In the future. So after the movie theater, we cut back, and all of a sudden, Jacob, you know, she's just rebuffed Jacob's advances, and now there's a point where she can't get in touch with him, and it's kind of reminded me of the scene where she was depressed, where time's just going by, and she's, like, losing months at a time. This just felt like she was losing days, worried about Jacob, and wondering where the hell he is. Yeah. And... There's another, I don't remember exactly where it falls, but there's an, there's another point where she tells Jacob, maybe it's around this point, I can't remember exactly, uh, timeline-wise, but she tells him that she would leave with him. And oh, yeah, saying, like, we should just get out of here, yeah, man. Yeah, we should just get out of here. We should, I would go with you. Yeah. And it's like, man, this girl is willing to, like, go with any of these guys that are dangerous for her or yeah. whatever. I felt bad for her dad, honestly. The For this movie in particular, I felt really bad for her dad. She He's, ditches him, like, a lot. She or ditches is him willing every, to ditch him. Every opportunity yeah. she's willing to just be like, oh, my, my dad will get over it. Yeah. You know? And I believe his name is Billy Burke, the actor who plays Charlie, uh, her dad. Oh, sorry. Her Tom. dad's... Yeah, Tom is his name. Um, he turns in another solid performance in this movie. He's really just, like, a good grounding presence for Bella. I feel like all of her scenes with him are good. Even if it's a scene where her, she literally has no lines, I feel like he kind of elevates the whole thing. Because Kristen Stewart, as an actor, still has some wonky moments in this, for sure. Way think, less of the breathing acting. Yeah. Say. It's still there, but it was a She's lot a mouth less. breather. I mean, that's a whole thing that everybody makes fun of, is her as a mouth breather, yeah. I, I think. Uh, I know that... Well, you the know, first movie, it was really kind of driving me crazy. And yeah. this movie, it, it didn't. It, it was less. It was less. She usually just has her mouth agape at most times. Yeah. She definitely does the, the lip bottom bite. Lo- bottom lip bite a lot. Um, that's a big acting technique on the part of Kristen Stewart. But yeah, I do feel bad for her dad because she would be willing to leave him. But she's she's willing to just jump on a train with Jacob and get the hell out if she could just get him to pick up the phone. Yeah. So eventually she goes over to Jacob's place. It's raining. And he she thinks he has mono. His dad told her that he has she has oh, sorry that Jacob has mono. And so she thinks that he's sick, too sick to get up or to get out of bed. She goes over to his house to check in on him. He's just walking around shirtless and Sam in the rain, in the rain looking mighty fine. Also with a haircut, a haircut and a tattoo and a tattoo. We we haven't even mentioned Sam yeah. yet, who is a guy that he sort of, uh, Jacob distrusts. He's another Native American kid. He's got a, a group of three or four other boys with him who all sort of follow him and worship him as their leader. Yeah, Jacob and calls them a cult. Calls them a cult, exactly. That's where we get the cliff diving from because they see them cliff diving from afar. Uh, Bella thinks that they're just tossing a kid off the cliff. Uh, but they're doing it for fun, and all of a sudden, Jacob looks like the rest of those kids. No shirt, a tribal tattoo on his shoulder, short hair, and she's like, what the F is happening to you, my bro? Yeah. 
He's he's di- acting different toward her. Yeah, he tells her like, "Get the hell out of here, lady! I don't need you, and you don't need me, and you gotta stay away from me because I'm a dangerous man." And that's probably when she was like, "Oh, you're dangerous! Like you could potentially kill me. Let's do this thing." Yeah, because that was the whole appeal of Edward. Uh, which I still, I mean, again, I don't get the appeal of Edward. This whole movie. I mean, I, we I, could probably, when we sum everything up, we could get to it at the end. But because I want to ask you, think about it. Uh-huh. Be thinking about it. Uh-huh. What team you're on? Okay. Because this was the whole thing during the Twilight. Oh right, right, right. Oh yeah. Are you team Edward? What, or team yeah, Edward? team Edward or team Jacobs? Be thinking on that. The, I, this is what I'll say about this movie, though, because I did not care about Edward in this movie. At all, but I think it's because he's gone for so long. So all we see are the effects of... We see him be a jerk in the beginning, and then we see the effects of him leaving on Bella. She's just distraught, she's depressed, everything's horrible, and we see her actually kind of acting weird with Jacob. Their relationship's not super defined, she's kind of just looking for something. And then there's this fallout between her and Jacob, and there's just all this stuff, but mainly all we see are the effects of... Edward. And it since he's not around and we don't get anything about his character, we don't get anything except the pain that he causes Bella, I did not care about him at all. Oh, same. So like later there's a thing where he might uh, go and kill himself because he thinks Bella is dead. I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but it has to do with Edward. He thinks that she's dead, so he's going to go kill himself because now he can't imagine a world where she doesn't Because exist. Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. And that whole thing of like, you think that, yeah, you, you guys know the story. Yes. And because you've I been through care. high school much like Edward has 45 times. I, I did not care if he killed himself. Like, I did not care oh, yeah, me about any of his peril. Because he's been gone this whole time, and he's just been a jerk the whole time. Yeah, I agree. And especially when the part of the movie that was so enjoyable to me was just this sweet love story between a depressed girl getting over her depression, over her relationship with this guy, Jacob, who's a friend, who turns into what could be something more. Then it actually turns and kind of makes a sharp left turn and gets very back into the mystical vampire shit. And I was I was kind of like, ah. Weirdly, like once the werewolves and stuff started appearing, I was like, ah, I don't yeah. don't care for it. I will say, in terms of what makes it great, yeah, um, I was very excited about the werewolves. I know you were. I uh, I love werewolves. I love I love vampires too, but I haven't been super excited about the vampires in this movies. But I was really stoked to get to the werewolves because I thought they were going to be in the last movie, and I was disappointed that they weren't. So when we finally get to the werewolves. It was very cool to see them. It was cool to see what they did with them, that they were they just looked like wolves, but they looked like giant wolves. Yeah. Um, and and not great CGI, but it probably hasn't held up. Fine enough. I mean, we watched it on my super huge, super nice TV, so uh, we've mentioned on this podcast before that sometimes older special effects do not age well yeah. as the nicer TVs get. Yeah. But you know, they're passable effects. They were passable, like it, it was entertaining. I enjoyed the wolf stuff. You yeah. Because there's a whole pack of wolves that, that ends up coming into play. Right. And Which she, is Sam and his cronies are yeah. all and Jacob becomes part of that pack. Becomes part of that pack. Once once his gene activates or whatever. But Bella goes to the same field that we saw in the very opening scene, which at that point was a field bloomed with flowers. She goes back to that field, I guess, looking for Edward still. I actually don't remember exactly why. I think this is the point where Jacob had sort of, you know, kicked the dog and told her to go away. Uh, So she was on her own for a bit. And she went, I guess, looking for Edward and instead found the dude with the dreadlocks from the first movie. The French guy. uh, Le Tom. 
Le Tom. Le, I think it's Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he shows up and he knows immediately that the Collins are gone and that Bella is all alone and that Victoria, who I did not realize was actually in this movie, the yeah. same actress who was Victoria in the last movie. Yeah. Uh, there was a really cool I think her shot. name was Tom Tomlinson. Yeah, it was, Tom, it was Tomasina. <laughs> and, but well, there was a really cool shot. There's look, oh, no. I'm sorry. It's right after this. So I'll hold on to it. Please continue. So the French guy. Uh, Le Tom shows up and he wants to finally exact revenge. He's been asked by Victoria to come here and to take out Bella for killing James in the last movie, a blood for blood situation. He's about to do it. And all of a sudden, this is when we get our first appearance of the wolves. He is literally about to strike Bella down. Bella tries lying to get him. Edward shows up in a vision. So I guess she gets what she wanted and she gets to see Edward. uh, Edward shows up in a vision and says to lie to him, to tell him that the Collins are coming back. He sees right through her ruse, and just as he's about to strike her down, which it looked like he raised his fist in like an open way, like he wasn't about to punch her. He looked like he was about to Kalima her from <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and just rip her heart straight out of her chest. Sure. Which, that would have been fucking cool, man. Had he done <laughs> that, let him do it. that would have been awesome. Uh, so, instead of that, we see the wolves show up, they stop, and the wolves aren't alone. There's a whole pack of them, some bitches, and they chase him off and eventually murder him to death. Yeah, eventually rip him they, apart. They rip him apart, tear him apart, limb from limb, as we know from the last episode that that is the only way to dispatch a vampire in this world. Saving Bella, we get one wolf, gives Bella a very lengthy look, and we think, oh man, there's a connection there. Obviously, it's Jacob. That's Jacob. No, no spoiler needed, really. No spoiler <laughs> alert needed there. Uh, she goes back and and finds... Um, and another great moment, I thought, is the moment where, after this happens, uh, Bella's going around to try to tell everybody. It's not... Oh, by the way, sorry. We skipped the part where they sort of recycled the backstory from the... Or, not sorry, the side story from the first movie, where they there are people getting killed around town. People are getting mauled. They think it's an animal, uh, but we know it's something else, and... And we think it's vampires again. We think they're just doing the same thing they did with Victoria, Letom, and James in the last movie. Uh, and then we obviously think it's the, the werewolves, but it's Victoria, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, so we have the subplot of them trying to find this animal out in the wilderness. Uh, so Bella's going around telling everybody, I know what it is. It's not a bear. She tells her dad. It's werewolves. It's, well, not werewolves. It's giant wolves. And um, so she's going around telling everybody she has to tell Jacob for some reason. And uh, when she does, you know, Jacob's sleeping. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry, I feel like I'm getting... Because you, you jumped over the one scene that I wanted to talk about. Sorry, I, so, and I also feel like I was not setting that scene up very well. <laughs> so after she sees the wolves, she doesn't know yet. She just knows they're giant wolves. She doesn't know that they're werewolves because yeah. they just look like normal wolves, only humongous. And... She knows that there's some animal that's been terrorizing the woods. So she runs back and tells her dad and her dad's friend or deputy. I don't know who this guy is, but another Native American fellow is there in the house. And he's like, oh, are you sure? Are you sure you saw wolves? And Bella tells her dad, like, I'm telling you, it's these giant wolves. It's not a bear. It's these huge giant wolves. So they decide to go out and hunt down these wolves. And we see that the Native American fellow knows already what is out there and he covers He's one of the covering up the tracks yeah covers up a track the dad is like charlie tom is like do you see anything and he's and the guy's like no and he covers it up but the cool shot that i thought was actually great is we see 
the native fellow holding his rifle and he's and behind him blurred is this bright red hair in a tree oh yeah and he senses something is behind him so he turns around but he crosses the where that is in frame and when he turns to where that was it's gone and so the reveal is it disappeared before he could see it and i thought that was actually a really cool shot yeah yeah, there was some cool stuff with Victoria in the field, in the uh, woods. They do a lot with her hair because there's another scene, uh, the aforementioned scene where Bella jumps off the cliff, which we'll get to, uh, where she's underwater and she sees just a red mop of hair coming at her. Yeah, because Victoria ends up in that same water, and it's not. It's only because Jacob saves her that she's able to escape Victoria, who's after her the whole time. Which is the only reason that Victoria's back. Yeah, is to just get revenge. So she's causing mayhem off screen this time. Um, her hair is much more red in this movie, much more distinctive. Bright red. Bright, bright red. Uh, almost like Amber Heard's in Aquaman, but not quite. Not quite that stupidly red. <laughs> um, but in the scene that I'm mentioning is she goes to see Jacob for whatever reason and sees Sam and his posse out walking up outside. And, you know, again, adding to Bella's character, she's much more feisty in this movie. Uh She goes out to throw some shit in their faces because she feels like Sam is the one doing this to Jacob. Sam is the one keeping them apart. Sam is the one that's made Jacob all turn aggro and kind of like a shit heel. So she pushes him. She punches him right in the face. No, she punches the other guy in the face whose name I... Oh, yeah, Tom. Tom. Obviously. Uh, She punches Tom in the face. Man, have we run that joke into the (laughs) ground yet? Just you wait. She punches that kid in the face and he's getting angry Sam is actually trying to tell him, calm down, dude, watch yourself, watch yourself. But he doesn't. And before we know it, he turns into a motherfucking werewolf. So he and Sam and them, surprising no one, are the giant wolves. What? And as they're about to attack, uh, Jacob runs out. She sees Jacob walking out. She tells Jacob to run. And as she is, Jacob sees the other guy coming after her. He ju- he leaps over her and mid-leap transforms into a werewolf and lands in front of her. And what is a really cool shot, yeah. I thought. Yeah. I thought the I thought the shot was cool. I think the werewolf transformation, also, although very simple, it's no American werewolf in London, yeah. but it's a cool, simple visual transformation yeah. and they it's call it phasing phasing yeah but no 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 we know the kitty pride phases phasing is when you can pass through solid matter look man chris that's claremont taught it. us that that's what they call it in this movie this is the world the rules of this world yes but i thought that was a really cool shot it was a cool shot it and was I thought the whole setup was pretty cool like yeah. the tension there you know she's in danger the the guy can't control himself nobody yeah. can control him he turns into a giant werewolf intent on killing her and then jacob yeah, leaping over her and mid-leap transforming into a giant wolf that then attacks the other wolf. Yeah. And they tumble into the woods together fighting. I thought all that stuff was actually really cool. It was fun. pretty badass. It's like a shades of the superheroism that I was talking about with Edward in the last movie. Uh-huh. And this one, Jacob really assumes that superhero role. And then this was like a superheroic moment that was really cool, yeah. really well done. They go off fighting and now... As they say in the movie, the wolf's out of the bag. (laughs) Literally. So at this point, I mean, I just thought that was cool. And from there on, Jacob is full-on wolf, full-on powered. He's already, like, lifted these motorcycle frames, like, with the greatest of ease. And I remember that also. uh, Ladies were very taken with that in the movie theater as well. A show of strength. And uh, so later he shows up to Bella's house and climbs into her house parkour style. Uh, just jumping off of uh, back and forth between the the side of the house and a tree and gets up there with the greatest of ease. So it's just like, 
cool that he's and he's got this ripped body. He's doing all these flips and tricks and things. It's like, wow, Jacob just is a legit superhero now. Yeah. It's kind of neat. I think it's cool that Jacob was willing to. He said he wants to protect her. He also warns Bella uh, later in the movie. He warns her that if the vampires come back, he can't protect her because because of the treaty between uh, Jacob's tribe and the Cullens, he can only defend or fight vampires on their land. And where Bella lives is not part of their land. So he says, I can't fight these things off. If they come after you, you should come with me. And she says no, because she's still obsessed with Edward and hopes that he shows up. And Jacob stays, though, and is willing to fight the vampires if they show up, because he's willing to break a treaty for her. Yeah. He likes her that much. His devotion to her is equal to her devotion to Edward. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, the perfect love triangle, I suppose. <laughs> I wish that Jacob got anything. And I do feel like Bella, she stringing him along a little bit. I know it's yeah. a little unfair to call her a tease or something like that. I don't want to say that, but she does feel like she's that person that, okay, I'll put it this way. Yeah. When I was a young man, yes. the last episode I mentioned a girl that I was really into for a couple of years that I really liked, and at the end of it I wondered why, but she did the exact same thing to me that Bella does to Jacob during this movie in that, like, one step forward, two steps back kind of thing. Like, she gets, like, close and physically close and touches him and almost kisses him or almost gives him hope that something's going to happen. And then the next thing you know, she brings up Edward or she just tells him outright, like, I'm not going to be into you, bro. And that's exactly what happened to me in high school with this girl. And she, every time, I felt like something was progressing in our relationship or, you know, we we got closer in one way or another, be it physically or emotionally, it was always back two steps, back to my starting point back to you know zero so I saw that happening and like I said I don't want to say that that's a bad mark on Bella that's just what she's going through right now I'm not calling her like a tease but I just I I see why I see I, I felt bad for Jacob's devotion to her because like dude again kick and bod you're cute, dude. You're 16. You're sweet. You got skills. You're a mechanic. You're a good guy. You could have the pick of the litter. Go date Anna Kendrick. Mike Tom isn't. So Tom. go date her. Uh, Rosita, who is another one of her friends, is taken. Yeah. Rosita Tom <laughs> is already taken. So Anna Kendrick is available. Plus, I'm sure hundreds of other girls. Like, go find somebody other than Bella. But she keeps, like, drawing him back in. And so he's got this, like, says, blind devotion to her that... She, she even says at the movie theater, when she... After she... He tries to hold her hand and she pulls her hand away. She even tells him, like, I don't want you to leave. I want you to be around. But I know that's selfish of me because I don't want to be with you that way. But I still don't want you to go... Basically, go be with somebody else. Yeah, and Jacob's like, stay here nah, man, I'm going gonna, gonna to stick around because we'll see what happens. I got time. Yeah, but I do feel like that's – I felt very bad for him because he's Hell such yeah. a sweet kid. He's such a nice person. He clearly likes her. She likes him around, and she likes him when he helps her, and she likes that he gets her mind off of things, and she likes that he – fixes up motorcycles that she could not have done that by herself. She tells him, he says, Oh, I wish earlier when they're in the truck, he's like, 
oh, I wish I had drawn this out a little bit so built fixing this bike so that we could have spent more time together. And she's like, oh, no, well, if, if you couldn't have fixed the bikes, then I would have said, let's find some other way to spend time together. So she tells him he's beautiful. She tells him she loves him. She tells yeah, him she's giving all this all stuff. sorts of mixed signals. And so I did feel bad for him because it was like, dude, this isn't going to happen, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. And at the end of the movie... Spoiler, at the end of the movie, I felt horrible for him because she says, he shows up and he's like, Bella, I love you, don't do this. She she tells him, she already decides she's going to go off with Edward Cullen. And she goes back to Jacob and she, in front of Edward Cullen, she goes back to Jacob, gets super close to him, says, I love you. And then she says, don't make me choose, which also makes it sound like, there's a choice. Like, yeah. She's clearly romantically yeah. involved with both. If you have to choose, then that's a thing. But she, anyway, she says, don't make me choose. I will choose him. It's always <laughs> right. been him. And it's like, you just chose that. There, there's like, don't, there's don't, not a choice, girl. It's not a choice. I feel bad for him. I'm not going to, yeah, and, I don't want to get into the, like, she owes him anything. I don't think that at all. No, 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 no. Not at all. But I did feel bad for him. And on top of everything else, he pulls her ass out of the fire multiple occasions, not only with the wolf kid that wanted to murder her. Again, she goes cliff diving just so she can see Edward again in some creepy, creepy, floaty vision, yeah. which is a cool shot. When she jumps off the cliff, yeah. Edward appears to her underwater right before Victoria snags her and, and Jacob pulls her out of the water. Very neat shot. Yeah. Uh, she's upright in the frame. Edward's upside down. There, It's got a cool song playing. It's a sort of ethereal quality to it. It's very nice. Uh, he pulls her out of the water, uh, resuscitates her. And uh, from there, we kind of get finally to the thrust of the we go into act three uh, where uh, Jacob takes her home and he drives her truck. And I just want to mention, I think you pointed out, Bella does not drive her own truck at any point during this movie. Everybody else drives Bella's truck. Everybody else drives Bella home. Yeah, it's it's very odd. Oh, and speaking of Bella driving, though, can I just mention, I forgot to mention the last episode, Bella always gets the sickest parking spots wherever she goes. She, like... Right in front of the school. Princess spots open up everywhere for Bella Swan. Swan? Yes. Sure. Swan. I think it was Bella Tom. Bella Tom. Uh, (laughs) So, anyway, I just wanted to mention that as a side note. Um, But we finally get to the point where uh, Jacob's bringing her home. She's fine. And they see what else but one of the Cullen's Audis parked out front. And he's like, oh, bro, there's a Cullen here. There's a vampire. I can't go in there because if I do... I'm going to break that treaty because right. I'm going to protect you. And Bella's all like, nah, bro, I'm going to be fine. They sweet people. And he's like, they about killed your ass at your birthday party, so watch it. Yep. <laughs> that was a good retelling of That's the story. definitely how it played out. She walks inside. Alice is there because Alice had a vision that Bella had jumped off of a cliff to kill herself. Obviously, that wasn't the case. And she got there hella fast. Super fast. I mean, I know they I mean, run fast, but... She must have been like Dash from The Incredibles running on top of water or something. Maybe she was, uh, maybe she was just like... Everybody went far. I think um, Edward goes to like fucking Italy or something. Well, doesn't he first? I feel like he's in like Rio de Janeiro or something first when he first calls. Yeah, her. he's in like some really shithole. I feel like he's in Brazil or something. I think there's the statue. Maybe they all split up. Yeah, maybe they went, went different directions. And she Alice went, she just went like one town over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she went to Fork. Not Forks, yeah. but she went to Fork. The original settlement was yes, Fork. Yes, exactly. Where I was mistakenly thinking that the movie took place in. Uh, but she shows up and says, oh, I saw you. Uh, I thought you were dead. 
Edward thinks you're dead. He's going to go to the Volturi. We haven't even talked about the Volturi yet. Oh, yeah, the, the vampires in Italy. Yeah, yeah. The, the super vampires, the High Council, yeah. led by none other than Michael Sheen, yeah. who's having a blast in this movie. Oh, my gosh, he is loving every he, second, and he, I love that he loves every he's second. He's so pale. Their eyes are bright red because, as I found out from reading about it, uh, the reason the Cullen's eyes are sort of a weird yellow amber color is because they feed off of animal blood. If you oh. feed off of human blood, you got them red eyes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, which is a detail the- I noticed in the last movie, but didn't consciously put together that that's why why there was a difference between them. I was I was wondering because last movie the vampires that they the other vampires they meet all have the red eyes. Yeah, um, but we hadn't been been introduced to the Italian vampires yet. Uh, but in this movie, seeing that they had red eyes too, I was like, oh wait, why does everybody have red eyes except for them. Yeah, and their eyes were like, those red eyes were popping. Yeah. Uh, but Michael Shane... That was a cool shot, too, in terms of, like, just everything being handled with a deft hand. The <laughs> There's a scene early in the movie when the Volturi yeah. are first introduced where Bella and Edward are looking at a painting in, I, I think it's the Cullen's house, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... She's watching the painting, and the camera goes into the painting. Yeah, it pushes in on the painting, and all of a sudden, the figures start moving. They come to life, and we're all of a sudden inside the painting. Yeah. It felt like Ghostbusters, too. <laughs> yeah, and I love that. It was it was cool. It was a cool transition and really well handled. Yeah. And we got a chance to see them. Uh, we have Michael Sheen, who's the main one. We have a guy that kind of looks like Bill Nighy. I don't know how to say his name exactly. Nighy. Uh, who was in like oh, Love Actually? He played from, Davy Jones. And, he was in Underworld as well. Oh yeah. Oh, and so was Michael Sheen, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, it was not him, but it looks kind of like a younger version of him. And then a third one who looks like a young Jonathan Rhys Myers, but with yeah. long blonde hair. Yeah. So that's the Volturi. Plus they have an extra exactly. helper, uh, Dakota Fanning. Yeah. Little baby Dakota I, Fanning. Also, I thought she was great. I love the subtlety of Dakota Fanning uh, next to the over the topness of pretty much everybody else. Yeah, she was she was excellent, yeah. I thought. For a very she had very a tiny sm- role, but sm- she was she a was role good. that will grow in time, but a very minor role for this movie. But uh, once Alice realizes that Edward's going to go try to kill himself, they rush off to Italy and an amazing visual transformation from the cold hues of the Pacific Northwest to the warmth of Italy. You really felt that in the opposite version of what it should have been with with the last movie where we yeah. just didn't feel anything different the, the entire time. Yeah. And it's nice like they applied one filter to the entire movie and just let it go. Yeah. They definitely improved upon that in this one. Yeah. As they headed to Italy to find the Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so there is the St. Marcos Festival. So everyone's wearing red robes in the entire town and uh it's again just so many warm colors which we don't see throughout the whole thing plus everybody all the bad vampires eyes are red plus the production value of being just in italy being in this gorgeous cliffside town in italy just really ups the value and i remember thinking at this point like wow it's really cool that the finale of this one ends up so different from the finale of the last one where it's just in a sort of a weird fight that doesn't really work in like a cheap location and it's all just not really well handled to while she's running around she's trying to find Edward and she saves him to the last minute right before he oh by the way he's going to reveal himself to the world one of the things you can do the Volturi won't grant him won't kill him offhand when he requests to be killed luckily because then the movies would be over uh, or maybe mercifully <laughs> then the movies would be over but they won't kill him because his mind reading talents are too good so he's like I'm going to find a way to make you kill me one of the biggest rules of vampirism is don't reveal our kind to the world so he was going to go out and sparkle in front of everybody and they were going to have to kill him for it he gets out 
Bella's after him. She runs around. She gets through all the red robes. She finds him right at the last second. He's about to do it at noon on this day. That was probably my favorite. Um, that was probably my favorite stuff that uh, Kristen Stewart did. She seemed really committed getting she did. through those that she, crowd of people. Very invested in that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we get a after seeing Jacob shirtless for almost the entire movie. Finally, we get Edward shirtless, and it's definitely a deflating moment. <laughs> it's different be, because one, his body is so incredibly pale, especially because <laughs> Jacob obviously has he's native descent, so he's got darker skin. But he, uh, oh man, yeah, Robert Pattinson just looks like weak sauce compared to Jacob. It's pretty depressing. He just looks like a cancer patient or something. Well, I think he's also because he's depressed. He looked pretty bad. Like his face looked pretty bad. That's true. So I think he is sort of probably not eating, not drinking blood, not doing anything. So I think he's also supposed to look kind of bad. I don't know if vampires can cry, but if they can, he's been crying a lot. Yeah. You can tell because he's He's got bags under his eyes. He's had to wipe the blood tears away from his eyes. He looks rough. Perfect hair, though. Hair's still good. Hair on point. So Bella saves him, um, and I thought, <laughs> this is why probably I thought that there was 20 or 30 extra minutes to the movie that was ne- unnecessary. When she saves him, I was like, yay, they, they did it. That's yeah. the end of the movie. It was not the end of the movie. <laughs> Instead, they have to go and, in front of the Volturi, uh, which I'm glad for because at least we got more Michael Sheen just chewing up scenery yeah. like he's never eaten before. <laughs> and he's a guy who who knows how to go over the top when he wants to. You know what, too? Like That should have been the end because there's so many Romeo and Juliet comparisons and stuff that are just laden throughout this movie. That should have been the end. Like That would have been him you know, killing himself, thinking she's dead and, you know, but she stops it in time, unlike in Romeo and Juliet. So that would have been a very nice sort of end of the movie. But instead we have to slog through 20 more minutes where they go to the Volturi. The Volturi has to figure out whether or not they're going to kill her. And they all try to use their powers on Bella, but in the same way that Edward can't read her mind, uh, Michael Sheen, who reads people's souls by touching them, and I guess... I don't know exactly what that means, but he can tell whether you're telling the truth or not by touching you. He can't see anything. Um, Dakota Fanning's power is to, I guess, psychically hurt you, just make you feel like you're going through tremendous pain. That doesn't work either. So they're like, oh, man, none of our powers work on you. And then I immediately was like, no, bullshit, because Alice constantly sees visions of Bella's future. So why in the fuck do they not bring that up? Because Alice uh, saves her by saying, no, no, don't kill her. She's going to become one of us. And did nobody on set be like, um, that's a, how does that vampire? Because they even cut to a shot of what Alice is seeing, which is uh, Edward and Bella running through the woods in very Hansel and Gretel-esque outfits for some reason. Maybe she's... And there's nothing about that scene, by the way, that says, oh, she's a vampire. It's just them gleefully running through the woods. No, she sparkles. Oh, right, right, right. It's subtle, but she sparkles. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, that is a great point. Uh, Maybe she's just seeing the future. Maybe she's not seeing. Perhaps her she's seeing Edward's future and Bella, but you feel like if her powers don't work, or if yeah. Bella negates everyone's powers, that yeah. she would be like a blank spot in the future. Yeah, like Edward's running through the woods with the with something. With something, maybe it's Sasquatch. Who knows? <laughs> Probably Sasquatch. Uh, he might be there in the Pacific Northwest. You never know. Could be I Bigfoot. Hope, I hope that's the next movie. Oh, dude, if what if Bigfoot movie, shows up? 
then this whole series is great. Well, obviously, they're going to be hunting for something that's killing people on the outskirts of town for the entire movie because that's the only subplot they can ever come up with in these things. I'm actually surprised it's going to be Bigfoot. I'm, sur- I'm surprised they don't at least make the joke of like, oh, I bet it's Bigfoot to like acknowledge that they're yeah, in the Pacific Northwest. You think? Because actually, at one point, Bella says, uh, once she finds out the werewolves are real, she's, she says, oh my God, are, is everything real? Yeah. Which is a good point. Yeah. And then she says, like, fairy. Or, I don't know. Yeah, she says, like, goblins and fairies. Like, it's all that real. And I'm going to say, Probably so, bro. I'm going to say probably Bigfoot. Probably the Chupacabra. Probably Loch Ness Monster. All those better be in the next movie. At least the... Yeah, because I have no idea what's in Eclipse. So very well could be all of that. Um, But as I was saying, I was really happy that the finale ended in a different way without some weird vampire fisticuffs. Mm -hmm. I was so glad that we didn't have to sit through a big vampire fist fight until we had to sit through a big vampire fist (laughs) fight. Edward fights a buff uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, I believe the character... destroys that beautiful beautiful steps of this place. Yeah, it was pretty uh, gnarly to see this beautiful set get... Taken, yeah. you know, taken down. So they fight, and that's before we decide that oh, we're not going to kill Bella or whatever. But it is just like, why in these like teen romance movies do we always have to end on a big spectacle vampire fight where they're moving fast and stuff? It was definitely better than the fight with James in the first movie. Mm-hmm. I will say that, but at the same time, it just felt tacked on and unnecessary. And I think it was because we had Jacob saving Bella like fifty times in the movie. Yeah. You had to have Edward save her at some point. Yeah, I mean, I, he I, had to do something I, heroic. He is quote unquote our hero. That's honestly, that's probably it, or probably the studio, or somebody. Somebody was like, "There's got to be a fight at the end. Edward's got to do something at the end." Yeah, and I mean, they fight and. He wins, I guess. Because how does it, I don't even remember how it ends. Well, we just they watched it. And I don't basically, remember. Bella says, "Stop! I don't kill him." They're about to kill him. They're about to yank his head off. She says, "I'll give up my life for Edwards." And he's, Michael oh, yeah, Sheen's like, like, "You would give up, you would give up your own life for a soulless monster?" Like, I'm doing it even more over the top than him, obviously, but not by much. Uh, and that's around the point where they discussed, you know, it, don't take her life because she's going to be a vampire too. Yeah. Okay. So the Voltori are like, you know what? Leave. Peace, girl. Nice knowing you. And actually one of my favorite, most twisted moments that felt very off for this movie, but I loved, was as they were leaving, they're passing like this long line of tourists walking into that chamber, and we all know they're about to be food. Yeah, and there's a kid. And there's like multiple children. And they all get into, once they all get into the room, they all start screaming. I thought that was great. That was so fucked up. I was so, very unexpected for this kind of movie. Because all we're talking about is, like, making these vampires seem like kittens. Yeah. Because all the Cullens are basically kittens. So it was the first time we saw vampires being truly monsters. And they killed, like, 35 people. There was a lot of people in that tour group. I think it's good. And this actually might be something that was missing from the first movie. I know they tried with that different group of uh, vampires to show that there is a difference between those vampires and the Cullens. But setting up just how monstrous vampires are. Are in general, in general, mean, yeah. I think could have been used a little bit more in the first movie, so that we also see why Edward is so tortured. Yeah, because he keeps saying, he, "I'm a monster, I'm a monster, I'm a monster." Yeah, like, you seem pretty okay to me, but if they had more of that, and maybe that's why the, you know they were laying in the they were trying to do a lot of things in that movie. You right, know, they're laying in. There's a monster attack, or there's a, there's an animal attack, and and they are gonna do a reveal. 
that actually that's vampires, even though we all know that that's vampires. Right. You know, I, I would have enjoyed seeing some vampires like these Volturi in the first one at first. So you see just how horrible vampires can be that they are truly monsters rather than seeing the tamed version of them. Right. So that was cool. And then we still got another like 10 minutes of more. Do you Then we are back in the Pacific Northwest. We're back in the Pacific Northwest and we think it's all over and we get one last scene of Edward and Jacob and Bella. And it's the scene that you said where don't make me choose. I will choose him. AKA there is no choice. Uh, We get a lot of tension between Edward and Jacob, which is cool because I guess eclipse is all about their love triangle, but I'm so I'm excited to see that. And we end the movie on the big question, not who will she pick, but no, 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 no. We end on him popping the question. Uh Will you marry me? Or that's his one request. He doesn't ask. He says, if I'm going to... Oh, because they say they have to turn her into a vampire. And he says, well, if I'm going to turn you into a vampire, something I do not want you to do, you have to do something for me. you got to marry me. And she, like, looks like, oh... Like, like, she doesn't want to. It's like so that's weird. a hard choice. Like, she's like, because he, he's like, I want you to spend, the, before he pops the question, he's like, oh, I, I see us together forever or something like that. She's like, yeah, me too. I want to be with you forever. Like, the whole thing is about, I want to be with nobody else but you. I want to be with you forever. I want us to live as immortals together. And then he's like, will you marry me? And she's like, oh, God. She's like, uh, <laughs> wait a second. Let sec. me think. It's like, this I'm got only, real. I'm only 18, man. Like, uh, this is a much. Yeah. Okay. Dial it back. I was willing to kill myself for you, but dial it back a moment. It was a really, it was really weird. It was like, really like that's the biggest thing she's grappling with. Yeah. I would think turning immortal would be like the biggest thing yeah, that you're grappling. Yeah, with. losing your soul, losing having to possibly being burned in hell for all of eternity. Yeah, and she's obviously going to have to leave behind her the life she knew, all of her friends, her, her dad, her matter. mom. Her dad doesn't. Oh, matter. clearly her dad doesn't matter because she just left him in Italy, and he even says like, "Bro, you left me for like three days. Don't do that." <laughs> Well, I mean, the last time earlier in the movie, she disappeared for a night and he had an entire fucking search party ready for her. Uh, imagine what he did after three days. <laughs> like, he got the whole town. He got the state police in there. He might have called in the Guard. National Guard. <laughs> exactly. Got the Air Force, like, doing flyovers and stuff. Probably called the Ghostbusters to look <laughs> at that painting. Called his friend Tom from Fork. That sounds like <laughs> a good movie, over. actually. I want to see that movie. Man, that would be dope. Uh, but look, so... The end was a little bit weird. Uh, it was clearly come back next time to be continued. Right, of course. But what I'm really, what I really appreciate about this movie, and I think what makes it the great things about this movie are that there was a narrative to this movie. <laughs> that shouldn't um, be the great thing about a movie. Every movie should have a narrative. But compared to the first one, this to the one, first one had a much stronger narrative. Much stronger narrative. It was also shot way better. I felt like the acting was better. I felt like everything was elevated in oh, this for sure. movie for sure. compared to the previous movie. And I still really enjoy vampires and werewolves. I've been pretty disappointed with the vampires in these movies, to be honest with you, until the Volturi. So I'm looking forward to the next movie because I'm looking forward to see what happens with those vampires. Yeah. I'm looking forward to see more stuff with the werewolves, You know, whether it's the wolf pack and Jacob having conflict or whether it's I really want to see Jacob and Edward fight. Um, I don't imagine that will be particularly amazing, but I really want to see it. No, no, no. Not from a fight choreography point, but I do enjoy the idea of that as well. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to... Th- well, that's a little strong. I am looking forward to the next <laughs> movie uh, to, for those reasons. Yeah. I really don't know much about where I care to see Bella go. I don't really have any investment in that. 
Um, I have more investment after this movie, though. I feel like they did a lot of character rehab on her in terms of actually giving her some stuff, giving her some personality, giving her something in this movie to play. Because in that first movie, she just had, oh, her love of Edward, and that was it. And at least this gave her some levels. Some decisions I didn't love, like the fact that she was... Uh, you know, so cold, so hot and cold with Jacob. But at the same time, like, that's one of the things that I honestly thought was great about this movie was that relationship, the the Bella-Jacob, because it was that realistic, again, I lived it with an actual person back in high school, but that, that like, never going to be a totally requited love between two people that just never, it's never going to happen for him. And you just, the fact that I just felt so bad for Jacob really had me invested in this movie in a different way than I would definitely more invested in this than I was in that first movie. Um, it just, it was like, I want to see a whole movie of just their relationship, no werewolves or anything. Uh-huh. And, but I did also like, while on the subject of werewolves, I liked that they added some cool uh, ideas into the werewolf mythos. Just like, I feel like I don't see werewolves in like actual packs all that often. Yeah, I like that. That was cool. Especially cinematically. I feel like in TV shows, and stuff. We've seen some werewolf packs before. Yeah. True Blood, I think, had some packs. Exactly. I agree, though. I think c- cinematically it was cool to see they were not just normal-sized wolves, nor were they, like, humans dressed as yeah, wolves. Yeah, they're not wolf men. They're they not are wolf men. giant wolves. They're which is giant wolves. Which is really which is cool. Neat. And I was... It was interesting in terms of mythology because it starts with New Moon. It starts with a picture of... Or a, an image of the moon. And so I thought, oh, this is going to be the standard werewolf thing where when the moon is full, the, or maybe when the moon is new, they... I was going to say, isn't a new moon like where there is no moon? Think about that. A full moon is is yeah. what we saw at the beginning, but a new moon... Oh, I guess you know what? The moon disappears. Yeah, it, it disappears. disappears. But it should yeah. not be the thing for eclipse is where the moon gets covered up? Well, You know no. what? We'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see what the logo for eclipse is, but they got a, you know, I mean, high what bar. They, what did they show for Twilight? They just probably just, I don't know, in Ariel New, just put, like, Twilight. Twilight. Yeah. But in terms of mythology. So I thought that it was going to be related to the moon, but it ended up not being related to the moon. It seems that it was related to, or maybe they just get triggered when a vampire is in town. Well, he says that the trigger is the vampire in town. But then in terms of transforming... That's that's just what triggers him into starting the transformation of oh I'm going to be a werewolf for the rest of my life. Right, I'm one of the few people that has this gene in our tribe. But in terms of transformation, one of the guys gets angry and he can't stop his transformation. Like the Incredible Hulk, which I know you like. Yes, which was cool. And then Jacob and they point this out like oh wow did you see him? He's like so good at this. He just phased whenever he wanted to. Yeah. So it does seem like theirs is related to some sort of adrenaline or is related to being angry or something. Some sort of animal instinct. Him, he was just like, I'm going to turn into a werewolf right now. Yeah. He went and turned into a werewolf. And I thought that stuff was cool. You don't see that all the time. Yeah, that was neat. Because, yeah, like you said, it's normally based off of a moon, uh, some sort of lunar cycle. Uh, by the way, I did see somewhere that the uh, the kids who are all in the wolf pack, uh, <laughs> before filming, they bonded together and they worked out together in wolf camp. Okay. Um, it was just the thing that I think that that, like, where they got buff, they became a pack. And I feel like the make the creators of Twilight are really missing out on another revenue stream by not making Wolf Camp, like, a widespread thing. <laughs> like, think about making, like, Wolf Camp. It's like CrossFit. Right. But 
even more bro-y. You're not allowed to wear a shirt. You have to wear cargo shorts, no shoes at any time. Uh-huh. If you come into this dojo, this wolf dojo, uh-huh. then, yeah, you better be shirtless, bro. But it's like... You all get tattoos. Yeah, you have to get a tattoo. You have to have short hair. Uh, but it's like, wolf camp, that's money, baby. That's I, Spotify money. I think that might have been money a few years ago. I think they missed the mark. Well, I mean, CrossFit I wish, came and, I and took it all away. You. Well, no, it's not even about CrossFit. It's about these movies are done now. Yeah. So, like, if they had you as their marketing guy way back then, yeah, or man. even their, you know, cross-platform They should have hired 26-year-old me to do their PR. Yeah. And to figure yeah, to figure out their, like, synergistic opportunities. Yeah. So I would have been like, bro, Wolf Camp, yeah. let's do this thing. Let's let's have a let's market it. We'll slap a label on it and and you sell it and you sell it and uh, well, <laughs> there it is. Yep. So uh, life would find a way. Uh, sorry for my Ian Malcolm. Uh, maybe somebody will appreciate that. Who knows? Probably not. <laughs> I appreciate it. We've lost the audience already with all of our Tom <laughs> jokes. So it is what it is. But I do think Wolf Camp would be awesome. I would go to Wolf Camp. Uh, it'd be like an alternative to summer camp. You know, it'd be great. I hope it works out for you. Thanks. Before we before we completely wrap up or go off the rails. Uh, oh, we're already off the rails, my friend. <laughs> for the next one. Like, or I think actually every time we should say both what we're looking forward to and also what team we're on. Yes, I so, agree. Because it might shift. It could shift May between not. movies. I have a feeling it's not going to shift for I'm, me. I'm pretty sure it won't for me either. I, I can uh, guess what team you're on. How about on three we say what team we're on? Okay, one, two, three, Team Jacob. Yeah, yes. I, it took everything in my power to not say Team Tom. <laughs> but no, Team Jacob 100%. Why would anybody not go Team Jacob? I don't know. I don't understand it. Besides that great hair that Edward has. Yeah, I mean, I'm Team Edward's hair. Yeah, for sure. If it was team, if it was Edward's hair versus Jacob's everything, then I might there would be more of a It'd fight be there. Close. But no, Team Jacob, man, he's supportive. He's sweet. Sure, he's a little bit young. Sure, he's a little bit naive. But give him a few years, he's going to grow up a little bit more and get a little bit more mature. What isn't to like about this kid? Yeah, he's a little possessive. That is the like he thing I mentioned before. Once once his um, once his werewolfness gets triggered once the monster sort of comes more alive in him right right he does get too possessive and angry and but 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 he smiles he laughs he he like shows a warmth that edward just simply doesn't have in any respect in any regard i guess maybe he doesn't smell great like edward does (laughs) he doesn't have to smell yeah he smells like a wet dog so that points off for that but i'm gonna say this uh, for whatever reason this makes no sense edward to me looks like he would have bad breath Okay. I don't know why. Maybe he just looks like a smoker, so that's one thing. Okay. Um, But also, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's on. So I'm pretty sure that that dude's got some rank ass broth. Well, maybe he's got just tons of Altoids. Yeah, maybe he is popping Altoids all the time. Maybe that's why he didn't want to talk to people much. He's a little... He's self-conscious about his breath. He's a little self-conscious about his breath. He doesn't want to get turn people off or tip people off. Because somebody might smell his breath and be like, what the hell? Are you that a vampire? That guy's a vampire. Uh, I was going to say his breath smells like garlic, but no, that doesn't make sense no, no. at all. But anyway, so besides the breath thing, I think I'm team... <laughs> so or maybe because of the breath thing, I am team Jacob even more. Yeah. Yeah, because he's got that stank breath. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely Team Jacob. I'm looking forward to Eclipse because I know literally nothing about it. Cool. I have seen scenes from the other two movies, uh, so I do know a little bit about them. Know nothing about Eclipse, so let's let's do this thing. Awesome. And this is actually the first you're hearing about this. We're gonna have a special guest for the final part of this 
lauded series, we're going to have a Twilight fan, Uh a super fan, if you will. She has read the book, she has seen the movies, and she's going to appear to pretty much take us to task. Wow. And to give her opinion on the series as a whole, she's also going to talk, she's going to be there in the conversation when we talk about the last one, and probably set the record straight on a lot of things, because there's probably stuff in the book that we've missed, Uh, you know, there's stuff in the movies that we've missed. Just stuff in the the world at large that we don't know because we're not entrenched in this stuff. But yeah. she lived it. She loves it. She's going to tell us what's what. That's awesome. I'm actually super excited about that. I'd love to hear a different perspective on it. Yep. And somebody who actually is a toy hard. And I would love to hear her take on everything. You know, I'm, I'm actually really excited about that. What a resource. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to have her on as a guest. It's going to be great, folks. Uh, but, hey, we got two more movies to go before then. So <laughs> buckle up, buckos. <laughs> we got next week. We've got Eclipse coming your way. But what did you guys think? Does New Moon have a kick? bod or does it deserve a face punch let us know at hwigpodcast at gmail.com that's right send us an email let us know what dumb things we said what we got wrong hey tell us what we got right you can also tell us on twitter please tweet us follow us on twitter we're at hwigpodcast same on instagram we're going to be trying to post some more pictures and stuff let you know what's going on with us we're going to start throwing stuff at you from former episodes we got a couple of fun picks coming up so keep an eye on the horizon for that but interact with us. We'd love to yeah. hear what you think. Make sure to like and subscribe. Again, Spotify. Spotify, Cha-ching, money. baby. Cha-ching. Uh, also, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you can find your finest podcast. And I would love to hear if you guys are Team Edward or Team Jacob. I would also love to know your thoughts on the blank pages in the book. What does it mean? What does that mean? Also, let us know what you think about Tom. Are you Team Tom or Team Tom? <laughs> I'm Team Tom, personally. Oh, I'm Team Tom. But until next week... I'm John Bring. And I'm Sebastian Kalachik. And here's why it's great. We'll see you for Eclipse. How about Face Punch? Do you guys want to go see Face Punch? Face Punch. Yeah, I remember the trailer's like... Yeah? Punch faces. <laughs>